Hi, it's a privilege to speak with you today. I feel God has laid some things on my heart which I want to share with you. I know that recently we've been going through a series called Courageous Living and looking through the book of Daniel. And today I just want to carry on that theme of courage because I think it's something that we all share a need in having more of at this difficult time. I decided to call this talk Living the Lyrics We Sing because I often think back to our times of corporate worship pre-COVID when we stood together belting out our songs of praise, singing lyrics like these. We stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength. I will trust in you alone. You are good. You're never going to let me down. And I wonder if we find it so easy to sing those songs now we're confined to our homes and we're not all gathered together, belting out our songs of praise, where faith is increased. But it's important that we remember that we are still his church. We're still God's church. We're still family. We still belong together. Some of you might remember the song, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I probably believe now more than ever that God is building his church and is wanting in this time especially to build up and increase faith in his people. I feel so passionate that God doesn't want us to be afraid. He has got the whole world in his hands. He has not forsaken us. He knows what he's doing. He just needs us to be courageous and put our trust in him. I want to share what I believe was a word and a picture that God gave me before lockdown. It was two weeks before, which I'm sure you'll remember that even right up to lockdown, none of us were really prepared for it. Even though we'd seen it on the news and we'd heard it was spreading through the countries, there was a sense of unreality until it hit us. So two weeks before lockdown, life was very normal, the way normal used to be. I was sat having a prayer time one morning and reading my Bible and asking the Holy Spirit to speak to me. And I had this picture come to my mind and then these words. The picture was of a very long, vast mountain range, very dry. Some mountains were enormously high and some lower, but obviously still high. And these were the words I wrote down. It's like you're scaling mountains, some small and manageable, though still an effort, and then the larger ones come, and without warning, you're having to navigate the safest way to steady ground. It seems like the mountains will never end. They will, but it will require focus, sustainability, and mental strength. I'll read these words again. It's like you're scaling mountains, some small and manageable, though still an effort. And then the larger ones come, and without warning, you're having to navigate the safest way forward to steady ground. It seems like the mountains will never end. They will. But it will require focus, sustainability, and mental strength. Two weeks after lockdown, when, I was, when life was very different, I was out walking my dog, and I suddenly remembered this picture and these words, and I kind of stopped in my tracks, because it seemed to bear an uncannily resemblance to what not just I was experiencing, but what many, many, many others were experiencing too. And these are how I interpreted the words as I moved further into lockdown. I believe the mountains are the challenges, difficulties, heartaches we've each had to face since the beginning of this crisis and still are. The small manageable ones represent our new way of life, not easy, oppressive, an effort, 
but most of us can cope just. The larger mountains are the days when we face really bad news, or when shock has knocked us off our feet, causing momentary despair or long-term heartbreak. And then we search to find that steady place where we can feel in control again. I don't know what it was like for you at the start of lockdown, but I know that for me, um, well, there were lots of fears. It just seemed like emotional, health, practical, financial. It was like fear just took up residence, uninvited in our lives. I remember the first two weeks having moments where I just felt I couldn't breathe. I would tell myself to snap out of whatever it was, the kind of oppressive anxiety, and make myself strong. It reminded me of when my daughter was at primary school years ago, and she came home from school one day and told me that she'd been told off by her teacher, and her teacher had shouted at her. And she said, I didn't cry, mummy, I made my knees strong. And that made me smile because I thought of the verse from Isaiah 35 where it says, strengthen the feeble hands and steady the knees that give way. Sometimes I feel I'm still steadying the knees that give way. Also, the mountains represent a sort of similarity to the nature of the virus itself. We know that climbing mountains causes physical changes in our breathing, lack of oxygen as we move into thinner air pressure, the fact that if you're not strong enough for the mountains, you're more susceptible, more vulnerable. The virus is all about lack of oxygen, lack of breathing. I found comfort in the words, it seems like the mountains will never end. They will, I still do. To have focus, sustainability and mental strength are not only good strategies for this time, but are also requisite for being a courageous person. The courage that God talks about in the Bible isn't just like a brave feeling. It's almost like something you reach out and take. It's like a physical act which comes after a decided choice to put your trust in God. It isn't easy. It's a bit like the verse from Thessalonians 5, which tells us to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. That's not easy either. It's not easy to take courage or give thanks in all circumstances. But this is faith, and faith is the thing that pleases God and makes him come galloping towards us like a mighty warrior to fight our cause. So I'd like to read this morning from Joshua 1. Joshua was a man whose faith, I'm sure, started off like that of a small mustard seed, but who knew how to learn how to trust, put his trust in God. Moses had died, the great faithful man of God, and now God is handing over the baton to Joshua, and he is naturally scared. We know he's scared because God repeatedly tells him to be strong and courageous and not to be afraid. I think this is what God is repeatedly wanting to tell us too, to be strong, courageous, and not be afraid. So I'm going to read from verse 1 in Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be, will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. 
As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you might be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I think this passage of scripture is so significant for us at this time for our emotional and mental well-being. It's also how we learn to put our trust in God. No great man or woman of faith in the Bible started off with courage or faith. It's not something that you get just because you're a Christian. It's something that you have to learn to take hold of and grow and learn to trust in God. The words God said to Joshua were key then to his success in his task, but also I believe are key to us now in this world that is full of chaos, unrest and disorder and seems to be ever rising. In verse 9, God actually commands Joshua to be strong and courageous. I suppose I tend to think that we should be encouraged. I mean, this morning, um, my husband George didn't command me to be brave for doing this, but God commands us to be brave. Why? Because it's his will for us that we learn complete faith and trust in him. And the great thing is he's given us his Holy Spirit to actually help us and enable us to carry out his command. I remember speaking a couple of years ago on God's presence being key, but I also think the Bible, the learning of it, spiritually, learning daily food is actually key to us and key to our mental and emotional well-being. I heard it once said, and I think I've shared this before, that waiting for God or expecting God to speak to you with your Bible unopened is like waiting for a text message with your phone switched off. It's God speaking to us. It's how we know his will, how we know his heart, how we get close to him. It's how we become prosperous and successful. In verse 8, it says, how if we meditate on it, keep it in our minds day and night, rather than just reading and forgetting it, that we can have prosperity and success, which I'm not talking about wealth, but I'm talking about that sustainable peace, joy and trust in God that's not moved or shaken by what's going on around us or in the world. Or even within us. There are times when we'll be afraid. There are times when we will be lonely. There are times when we will be weak. Regular human emotions. But we also have that complete and swerving trust and hope in a God who is far bigger and greater than ourselves and this world. And Psalm 1, I love it that it almost runs parallel to Joshua 1. Blessed are the ones whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water 
who yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever it does prospers. I find it really helpful to be prepared with scriptures. If you have a need or you know, for example, that you can feel over anxious, to keep verses in your mind stored for those times is really helpful and also a great faith builder. Verses like, if you're needing God's provision, God shall supply all my needs. If you're over anxious, be still, know that I am God. And if you're needing God's love, healing and comfort, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. There are so many promises, so many beautiful words. I particularly go to the Psalms and I've just written a song based on Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and salvation. And just going through a bit of a difficult time recently, just having those words go through my head were, yes, not just a comfort, but actually faith building. Listen to these lyrics from Trust and Obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides in us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Whatever our circumstances and whatever our needs, if the Bible is our focus daily bread and the Holy Spirit our counsellor and friend, we can know the assurance of that sustained peace, joy and trust in our good and faithful God over the next days and weeks and months. Deuteronomy 13, 19 reads, I have set before you life and death. Choose life. I think the life and death it talks about here can also re represent so many choices and decisions and responses that we are faced with each day. For example, will we choose faith? Will we choose fear? Hope or despair? Connection or disconnection? Forgiveness, unforgiveness? Humility, pride? gratefulness, complaining. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us choose and help us carry out the, those good responses that we make. Corrie ten Boom said these words, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. I think it's a really pivotal time for our church right now. It may not look like it, but we are going through a bit of a wilderness. I used to always associate Jesus in the wilderness with being a really negative and difficult and horrible time, but I don't think this was the case at all. Yes, he was separated from family and friends. Yes, he went without comforts and would have struggled with physical aspects. He had no food and he was very weak and as we know, he was tested at his most vulnerable but he was probably never closer to his father for such a long span of time on this earth. And in this time, Jesus was spiritually nourished, fed, built up and equipped. What for? So he could come out and serve. And in this time for us, in the physical challenges we face, which are extremely difficult and uncomfortable, it's also an opportunity, again like Jesus, Maybe the biggest opportunity we have in, the t in this time where we can be nourished, filled up, equipped so we can be ready to serve.
Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. And actually this morning, I woke up with the lyrics of Blessed be your name, when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name, on the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. When I spoke before about worship and his presence being key, I also said back then that I felt that there was something coming, something that we needed to be prepared for. I still sense this strongly. Maybe it's to do with the fact that never before, it seems, have people really need to be introduced to their saviour. We are the ones that have hope. We are the ones that know what Jesus did for us on the cross. We know what the power that happened when he rose from the dead. We know that when he went to heaven, he sent us his Holy Spirit to live with all of us so that we would never have to be alone. And I think God wants us at this time to draw near to him, to get focused on his words, to hear what he has to say, and he wants to spiritually nourish us and build us up so that we can go out and serve and let people know of the hope that we have. We don't know what life will look like post-COVID, but I do sense this is the time when people will start to be more open and look towards finding something that gives them answers. And we have those answers. We have that amazing hope. To discover you have a savior in this broken, corrupt, and chaotic world is just the best news ever. I can't imagine what it would be like right now to not know Jesus. And I'm sensing the kingdom of God is near. I remember a few months ago asking God if he was angry with us, because it's hard to understand, isn't it? And this beautiful picture of the Jesus and the story of the feeding of the 5,000 came into my mind. I remember doing a presentation on this for Bible college, and it opened my eyes to the astronomical compassion of Jesus. The day before this act of enormous provision, Jesus' cousin was brutally murdered. From what we read and understand in Luke's gospel, Jesus' mum and John's mum were cousins and shared a very special bond together. They were both chosen by God to have special anointed sons. Jesus, we read in the Gospel of Matthew, on hearing of John's death from his disciples, he withdrew privately to a solitary place. He was grieving and wanting space to be alone. I imagine his disciples following at a distance. When Jesus got out of the boat, he looked and saw this large crowd approaching him. And I don't know about you, but I would definitely be thinking this is bad timing. But Jesus, in the rawness of his grief, it says he was overcome with pity and compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And I sense that this is his heart for people now. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he asked Peter, one of his closest friends, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. He asked this three times. It didn't mean Peter was not part of his flock, that Jesus wasn't still his shepherd, but we know that God gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can be Jesus. And I think that God wants us 
to be shepherds to people with hearts full of compassion so that we can direct them to the ultimate good shepherd, who is Jesus, our saviour, their saviour. Joshua, because of his courage and his faith, he gets exalted by God. And then we go on to the amazing story of how he wins the battle with the walls falling down at Jericho because he's marching around the city with the Israelites with um, blaring trumpets. Praise is our battle cry. When we make a noise to God, when we raise a hallelujah, the atmosphere around us changes. And I believe this is because God always gravitates and turns up when there's praise. A bit like when there's a lovely smelling dinner or a freshly baked cake. People, we just gravitate towards that kitchen. But I think when praise happens, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit gravitates towards praise. And we read so many stories of how God showed up in the Bible to people who praised him, who thanked him first. Again, this is something we need to set our minds to. I read this recently. Faith and fear are enemies, and they both want to counsel you. Who shall we let counsel us? Let's go after the right counsellor. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And even in this weird world of 2020, there is a, there is a way for us. Jesus is our way. So as I close, I want to encourage you to take hold of courage. Let's hear God's command for courage. To continue singing and living out the lyrics we sing and we'll sing together again. To meditate on God's word, to learn it, to be saturated by it so that we can be prosperous in our inner being and we can learn to grow in faith. Focus on your gifts. It was around about this time last year when Phil and Ed were talking about gifts of the spirit. Now's the time to fan them into flame, not when COVID is over. Now, whether it's spiritual or practical, what are your gifts? Fan them into flame. Let him be your strength for today and your bright hope for tomorrow, because he is faithful. And remember, he is building his church and nothing will prevail against his plans. So let's prepare ourselves for what he wants us to do. And let us let his Holy Spirit enable us and help us to draw people to Jesus Christ, our Saviour. I'm going to finish with these lyrics from this amazing song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness hides his lovely face, I rest in his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant and blood, Support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is my hope and stay. In Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found, clothed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. 
In Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. I pray that you would know the hope and know the delights that God has when you put your faith and hope in him. God bless you.